are you, boys? Good, good. How are you? Good to see you again. Yeah, I'm just talking about having Ooh. a drink. Yeah, possibly. But getting boozed. Having a look at what I've been looking at over the last couple of days, I'm maybe thinking twice about it. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to put it in too much of a positive light. There's probably a couple of positives there, but there's a I couldn't find any positives. Yeah, I reckon. I reckon there's a couple. There's a couple positives. Yeah, yeah there's a, there's positives socially. Um, yeah. Physiologically, uh, I couldn't find a it's lot. A tough no. sell, isn't it? So yeah. so yeah. Today we're obviously talking about alcohol and its uh, positives, negatives, and uh, I guess social sort of effects. Mm. How are you, Mick? How's the weather in Queensland? Must be beer drinking <laughs> weather over there. <laughs> Smashing a forex. <laughs> Uh, very, yeah, it's uh, perfect perfect weather to knock a few coldies off. It's uh, it's warming up over here. We're heading into that wet season now. So uh, starting to get a little bit muggy, starting to get a little bit um, humid. You walk out the front and you're already sweating before you get to your car. But no, mate, no complaints, no rain so far. It's been great. Does that make you feel like a beer, Mick, just being in hot weather all the time? Um. Look, I'm not a big beer drinker, um, but uh, it definitely makes you feel like a, a cold beverage, that's for sure. Mm. Yeah, maybe a ginger beer or... Sparkling water. Like and there's nothing better than that image, and you have you can all visualise it right now. On a hot day, and you've got a real cold stubby, and it beads on the outside, just because oh, yeah. you, you know it's cold and it's ready to be downed. Yeah. You know, And it's been a hot day. Maybe you've put in some hard yards on, on the tools, and a cold, frothy... Just goes down like mother's milk. It's probably conditioning, don't you reckon? Like I remember as a kid, those epic, uh, I think they were VB ads. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you guys got them over in the West, but I'm obviously yeah. from the East Coast. And uh, the VB ads, epic. You know, yeah. When you've been driving a steer or yeah. whatever, drinking a beer. Yeah. You know, they, they were good all, ads, though. They were great ads. Yeah, they yeah. were epic, but they really... Some good marketing, that. that great marketing, because yeah. they brought together hard work with yeah. drinking a beer. Yeah, yeah, they did. And you're right. Yeah. I think about like a day where you've been outside just busting your hump and it's hot. Yeah, and there's nothing better than getting a really cold beer and having that first sip, yeah. and it just tastes so good. Yeah, like it's just like you know, you could do the same thing with some um, sparkling water. Mm. You know, oh, geez, yeah, I really could. feel like a sparkling water now yep. after a hard day's work. It just doesn't really cut it, does it? Just really feel like an iced tea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't got the same. No, I don't know. What but I guess is. if you, I guess, most people would know that alcohol is bad, right? You would think, and, yeah. yep. and you're making that decision to go, okay, this, I know this is not great for me, which we make those decisions all the time in life, don't mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Crossing the road or you know, I'm going to run, gonna beat the traffic real here, quick, real quick, get yep. across the road. Well, you, you could trip and fall and then that car's got you, right? Yep. yep. Something like that. But yeah. Eat an put occasional that towards, slice of cake because it tastes so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that good for you. And yeah. you know, you know that alcohol is probably not good for you, but you weigh up those risks and rewards, the pain-pleasure balance, and you kind of look at it and go, well, I'm going to have a nice beer. It's 375 mils in a can, isn't it? And you're kind of yeah. hydrating. Kind of. Kind of Kind of. Some of the stuff I saw when I was looking into it was one or light or very light consumption of alcohol is maybe okay. You know, and if you're talking two or three drinks a night, you're looking at bad wow. news, you know, and, and very light consumption is sort of half a drink a night. I mean, you know, that might average out over two or three nights. Mm. Having half a drink is probably okay. Yeah. Did you but come across that, that sort of J-shaped curve they talk about where, the, yeah, it's probably exactly what you were saying. Like very light consumption can maybe have some overall positive effects. Yes. But it's very light. The stuff I came across is maybe like one drink a week. Yeah. Or something yeah, yeah. like that. Not yeah. even like one a night. Yeah. Like talking like, yeah, much less than one a night. And then you sort of quickly get into the sort of quite bad effects if you're drinking one, two or more. Yeah. And that's not even discussing binge drinking and yeah, the other stuff that goes with that. Yeah. And I, I guess maybe is it worthwhile discerning um, the effects on adults compared to youth because – they, you know, there's. It says that you know your brain completes development at around 24, 25 years of age, and unfortunately in our culture, you know, some of us start drinking at thirteen years of age, and a lot of the damage gets done then. Mm-hmm. Like you know, say an adult now drinking a few drinks a week, 
is possibly a lot better than the binge drinking that goes on during your teenage and early 20s years. Okay. Um, that I look back at my years and I started drinking. I got my first night on the beers when I was 15 uh, on Emu Export, spewed my guts up, had me head out the back, back of my mate's car and vomited down the side of his car. That sort of shit. And that just led for the next, you know, whatever years, uh, drinking, um, binge drinking. And... I just think back, how much of effect did that have on my brain development? Because mm. there's ample evidence as I was going through this um, prior to, to talking today about the, the, the destruction of, of the brain, um, the developing brain in adolescence through binge drinking. Yeah, There was this... Um, Beer kills brain cells. You know that old saying, it's, yeah. it's, it's true, isn't it? That it is. The neocortex, the outer layer of your brain... Yeah, he's damaged. Imagine if you could get up to twenty-five years of age without having a drink. Yeah, how how much more how much smarter you would be? Yes, how much greater memory uh, retention you would have, and also your chance of becoming an alcoholic would be greatly reduced. Yeah, Yeah. as opposed to if you start drinking when you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, there's evidence to support the earlier the person starts drinking, even alcoholism and drug addiction uh, is is more highly likely than a person that doesn't. Yes, or, or starts drinking later on. Yeah, I've actually got a study um, that sort of I think fits quite well with where you've gone with that, Rui. If, if you don't mind me sort of bringing it up now, mate. Yeah. And, and it's in relation to specifically within the brain, we've got the the brain uh, part of the brain called the hippocampus, and it's really, really effect, uh, affected by alcohol consumption. And the hippocampus, without diving too deep into science here, because I don't want to bore everyone, but the, the specifics of the hippocampus and, and, and its particular functions are to do with learning, memory, um, you know, memory encoding, memory consolidation, uh, all of these sorts of functions. And there was actually, actually a longitudinal study I found, uh, which, which was pretty confronting um and it was conducted at the university of oxford and it was done over 30 years Mm. and they tracked the drinking patterns and brain health of these participants for that whole time at different different periods and uh, there was obviously a range of alcohol consumption through that time that was reported but those participants that had four or more drinks a day and that's that, that's an average that they've given here. Showed significant shrinkage compared to non-drinkers in in the region of the hippocampus. Yeah. Um, there was there was even a mild to moderate shrinkage in people who who were low alcohol consumers. So, what that tells me is that, you know. Again, we we we, we use the word moderation at times. I think to let ourselves off the hook a little bit um, in society and say, oh, you know, yeah, well, I, I don't I do this and I don't do this, but I'm going to do this. But I think, and, and I agree with the with the area we'll go into in terms of what are the positives and certainly socially and it allows us to relax and things like that. But from the perspective of impacts on the brain, whether it's a small amount, whether it's a, a medium amount or whether it's a large amount, it is absolutely severely detrimental to brain health. Yeah. Uh, particularly, and, and, yeah, and particularly in the brain. developing brain. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And some of these participants were tracked from, um, from that sort of adolescent age. Oh. Uh, and I mean, we won't dive into all that other stuff because I'm sure you guys will talk about some of that as well. But in particular, that that hippocampal damage was very, very significant. Yeah, well, I saw a study, a 2015 CDC study uh, called the Youth Risk Behaviour Study, and they just asked um, high school students what their activities were over the previous 30 days. Uh, so it'd be everything, any sport, exercise, um, or, or drug taking, or alcohol, whatever. And in relation to alcohol, 33% said they drank some amount of alcohol um, in the in the previous 30 days. 18% reported um, binge drinking. Uh, which obviously, you know, from binge drinking, you've got associated behaviour problems like, you know, violence, sexual assault, um, things that relate from now on to pregnancies, STDs, blah, blah, blah. 8% said they had um, driven drunk uh, in the last 30 days. And more than 90% of the alcohol consumed by young people was in the form of binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Crazy, eh? Yeah. 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 
Do you reckon we've got a big problem with that in Australia as compared to other parts of the world? It seems like Australia is a real uh, binge drinking nation and it seems to be more in our culture. I think some European cultures maybe don't have that as much. Mm. Certainly they would still have it, but I feel like Australia has a particular problem with binge drinking, probably particularly with young men. But I reckon, mate, because yeah. uh, I've heard stories of European families having their children, not well, I don't know how young the children are or teenage children, having a glass of wine at dinner. Uh, or, or being exposed to small amounts of alcohol um, in a social setting. I don't know whether that counteracts or, or, or prevents binge drinking. Yeah. Is that is that detrimental or is it helpful? You know, mm-hmm. are they like getting exactly. a little taste and they're like, well, not a big deal, I'll have a little bit now. Or, you know, the that rebellious aspect of going out and... Spot on, Stealing mate. a couple of your dad's beers and... Yeah, because you know, it's that forbidden fruit sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think for me, guys, that's that, and I got the double ender here because I live in Australia, but I was born in Ireland, and they bloody drink the stuff like <laughs> it's water. Um, but what I would say, and I, I think you guys certainly will connect with this at times. When I know I'm having having a beer with a couple of mates, I get excited about it. You know, like I, I, there's there's few things that really really excite me. But catching up with my good mates, yourselves included, knowing we're gonna have a couple of beers. Um, not really even need to do anything just be in each other's company reminisce talk about old memories I think we've said before it's really enjoyable and I get really excited Um, and I think that particularly in younger people um, there's that you know and I probably I probably still was doing that into my mid-20s to be fair my wife would probably definitely say that but you know it, it, it's you have intentions or certainly my my personality type is one where you'll say oh, i'll just have a couple but you never have a i never used to have a couple you know a couple would turn into six or seven or eight or nine beers and before you know it you've effectively done what we said you've binge drunk yeah. um mm. and uh and i think it's that that excitement that social expectation that um getting around with your mates you know we all know what it was like when we were younger where you go out with the boys and then someone's knocking off early and you're giving them a ruining oh you're taking oh you're bloody heading home to the missus eh? oh yeah no worries leave the boys now we'll be right we'll hold the fort you know like we've all been there but i, I think with kids in particular there's that uh, that component that aspect of it as well that mm. pressure and that that excitement that, that you know they probably don't have the experience to control Interestingly, if you look at the some of the stats that are coming about out about alcohol consumption in our young people, is it's declined significantly. Yeah, and I'd there's agree a lot of uh, these in the punk scene. They used to call it straight edge. You know, if you didn't drink, you didn't do any drugs. There's a lot of straight edge kids these days, which yeah. I think is a good thing. Yeah, they're, and they're choosing not to, and that's that's why the rise in sales of uh, sort of non-alcoholic drinks has has gone up. And I don't, mm. I don't understand. It's a bit like uh, vegan meat, you know. <laughs> what are you gonna... But you know that that aspect of health related, may, maybe maybe this next generation are more educated. Yeah. You know, have seen the things that alcohol have done. I mean, if you think about it, like Mickey said, I I, I was never one that could drink much at all. It, it just it didn't it doesn't sit well with me. And I often thought, why why do I go out and have too many drinks and then the next day wake up feeling shithouse, you know? You know, if someone gave you a pill, said, take this, you want to feel shit tomorrow, there's no way you're going to do it, are you? Mm. You know, I just, it, and I, there are there are elements that come along with, like Mickey said, the, the camaraderie, the friendship, you know, the social aspect. Yeah, do do we actually need alcohol? And maybe maybe this next generation are smarter than we are. Well, if you think about this generation, what they've been exposed to, like Smitty mentioned earlier about the VB ads. When I was a boy, on the tally was always you know beer, even cigarette adverts. Mm. Now, as opposed to the old good VB ad, kids are seeing you know all these sort of very medical based. Um, uh, bad effects of what alcohol can do. You, know, you yeah. see a picture of a rotten liver or something like that. So there's the, one at the moment with the um, the ladies pouring the alcohol into it. It's like a little a glass baby, a glass, glass baby. Fetus. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So there's there's these really um, 
effective uh, uh, visual sort of things being presented yep. to kids these days to scare the fuck out of them. Yeah. You know? Um, whereas Which I, maybe it should. I mean, looking into it yeah, here, yeah. Yeah. maybe it should be worrying. Mm. <laughs> I've got, you know, there's a fair bit of stuff to say, you know, it's bad for your brain, like Mickey's saying, the hippocampus damages the hippocampus, damages the neocortex, which is that outer layer of your brain that's sort of looking at memories, thinking, planning, you know, ability to, to regulate certain aspects. Um, the liver, liver cops The liver, it. yeah. Um, it, it, the gut microbiome, man, we could... Yeah, we'll probably talk about that in yeah, more, more detail later. Maybe. That's a huge yeah, one. That's crazy. Because yeah. um, yeah. if, if you look at what alcohol is, basically... It's it's a fat and water soluble, so it can get yep. into every cell. Every every it it doesn't discriminate about the cells that it damages throughout your body. So you mm. know, gut, brain, you can get it can pass that blood brain barrier. Yep. It gets into you know your white and grey matter. It's it's yeah, it it's it's a a bit of a concern. It sure it's is definitely a toxin, right? So well, it's a class one carcinogen. Yeah. So it's it's the most carcinogenic. You know, yeah, equal to asbestos and yeah, radiation and yeah. all the really nasty stuff. So. so there's a few different types of alcohol. One of them, or the only one that is fit for human consumption, eth- ethyl or ethanol. Ethanol. Yep. So that is a, that is a toxin. And then when the body breaks it down, it breaks it down into various components to be further broken down, right? But it's you know it goes from um, ethanol to acetyl aldehyde, which is that is a that is a to- flat-out toxin. It's actually worse than alcohol. It's a straight-up poison. Yeah, yeah, it's a poison. Yep. Yeah, and and your ability to clear that acetaldehyde out of your body is what develops, you know, uh, drunkenness, hang- hangovers, etc. And it all, it's really a poison-induced one state of pleasure for a little while, and then pain because you are getting rid of that poison out of your body. It's it. It it yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to find a positive mm. other than that social aspect, and you know how if we have that social aspect without a beer or without alcohol, do yep. we do we need it? I don't know. Yeah. But you do look like a weirdo, right? I, I often go to places. Not that I don't drink at all, but I often go to places I'm not having a drink today. And I'm, what's wrong with you? People get upset, don't they? Yeah, they're they're, they're <laughs> genuinely offended. Yep. Yeah, definitely a social pressure, and but yeah. also I um. An individual pressure as well. Like you stand around in a circle at a at a social event with nothing in your hands. What the fuck do you do with your hands? Put them in your pocket, you know, like fold play them with out, your yeah. balls, you know, whatever. Uh, but having something in your hand like a frothy, yeah, you're can't you do that with your sparkling water though? Yeah, you could, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, but you wouldn't, would you? No, it's, weird. it's just not. We're mm. not just. We're not mm. conditioned to do that. Yeah, I, I looked at the. Um, look, we've spoken a little bit about the social. Uh, aspect of drinking but we've also got like the biochemical sort of aspect of drinking and so like socially and culturally we want to drink because we want to be included in the sort of pack and we want to have something to do and all that sort of stuff but I was actually looking at why like from a biochemical point of view we want to uh, start drinking and sort of keep drinking and it's a bit of a interesting thing that I didn't really realize so when we have our first like one or two drinks we get that uh, sort of pleasurable feeling of you just start to feel a bit tipsy we're actually getting like a release of endorphins. Yeah, so those yeah. um, sort of what positive like opioid uh, sort of hormones get released in your body. And you're actually also getting a hit of uh, dopamine, um, which is going to make you feel good. And you're getting a relaxation uh, of your, your prefrontal cortex and your temporal lobe. So you don't make as good a decisions or your decision-making is like a little bit uh, inhibited. Uh, uh, sorry, you get disinhibited. So you'll sort of say things maybe that you wanted to say that you've sort of kept in. So you get that whole pleasurable feeling. But then after that, it actually starts to kind of drop off. And for a lot of people, what that does is it triggers you to want to go and get another get drink more. to chase that yeah. feeling. Yeah. And they sort of say that you probably can't get back to that initial sort of feeling of goodness, but people do keep going back. Mm. We like the rats or the hamsters that want to keep going yeah, and getting that yeah, extra yeah, hit yeah. when yeah, you go and push right. that button. So it's that sort of habit forming where like you have one or two and then that makes you want to have three or four and then all of a sudden you've had five or six yeah. So that's interesting. And it then is. you've also got that social component as well of everyone else around you is having beers or drinks or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a. And it so is that something you in? Is that something that our brain um, remembers, Smitty? Like, so you just said there that release of dopamine and that sort of thing. That's such a powerful effect on on our brains. Mm. Does that does that subconsciously like remain there so that 
the next time you go for a drink, that's probably why, like Mickey said, you're really excited to do it because you know that you're going to get that hit, that dopamine feeling, that that release of all those positive, initially, mm. those positive um, feelings. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I reckon mm. you would. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But I know what you're saying, Mick, about catching up and having a few frothies with the boys. I love it. One of the, I, I really enjoy getting with my mates and, and having some beers and some of my fondest memories and some of our fondest um, things we remem- reminisce about are our escapades on the piss, you know, which yeah. sounds stupid to say, but some of the greatest times I've ever had are with my mates um, on, on, on the beers or, or whatever. You know? I mean, it's b- probably based upon that, isn't it? You know, the, the release of dopamine, serotonin, you're yeah. happy in a at group that time. setting. In a group setting. And also yeah. that inhibition and that uh, sort of probably like lesser threshold for decision making yeah. probably yeah, makes well, you do yeah. like a bit more yeah. uh, risky activities, yeah. which, which end up being shenanigans when you look back on them if you live through them. Yeah. yeah. Unless that risky activity is maybe like, oh, I'm going to get hammered and drive and then you go and yeah. you know, kill a family yeah. or something. So it's sort yeah. of, yeah. you know, we were all sort of, we've made good decisions even though we were less, or we had uh, less inhibitions. Yeah. Oh, it was like the dancing, mate. But Exactly. You know? Yeah, I'm always renowned to get on the dance floor and own it um, when I've had a couple of beers. But <laughs> is that because no one will go near you? Probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't it's go near you because they just create a circle. Out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that because you're drunk. You're thinking, uh, oh, look how good I'm going. Yeah, yeah. I've had a, actually a good mate um, that I've been often really enjoy going out with and having good times with. I've known him for a number of years. A good uni mate. Um, I've been at the Paddington Ale House and he's actually um, had a circle around him on the dance floor um, forming a, a clapping audience. <laughs> wow. Because mm. he's that good. Got some moves. Yeah, he's got some yeah, moves. Wow. Yeah. Good on him. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, interesting points to me about the chemical uh, side of things. Mm. Yeah. And, and like you were talking about before, Jonesy, about the gut health, uh, I read somewhere that um, drinking alcohol, the effects of, of drinking alcohol are... Uh, worsened by poor gut health. Yes. But poor gut health is influenced by alcohol consumption. So mm. it's like a, a vicious cycle. Yeah. You yep. know, um, and I, I remember having really bad hangovers, and I think I, think I mentioned this on one of our earlier podcasts. Uh, until I started drinking apple cider vinegar every morning, I don't know whether, and, and eating fermented foods, whether I'd changed my gut biome to the point where my hangovers were so much less uh, harsh than what I had prior to, to working on gut health. Yeah, well, th- that's interesting because that's one of, you know, I was going to talk about later on, you know, ways to get rid, not get rid of, but maybe reduce a hangover. And that is definitely in there, is having those fermented foods yeah, and having good gut health before you go out drinking because it, it is a toxin. That, you know, acetylaldehyde, it damages, kills your good, you know, if you think about it, you cut yourself, you get the old alcohol wipes, that's, you're not doing that because it's helping your wounds stick together. You're doing it because it's killing the germs on there. Yeah. So that's exactly what we're doing as we're drinking. Yeah. It's killing it, most of the cells. Yeah. You know, or the, the good, good bacteria. The good bacteria. Yeah. So if you can, yeah, develop your gut microbiome bef- before, you know, you're getting some sauerkraut in, some kimchi, yeah. apple cider vinegar you're working on your gut health, I think it would be, yeah, you're going to have better outcomes for you, for your hangover. What about if you mix some vodka into your kombucha? Does it yeah. just even each thing Maybe. <laughs> yeah. That well, that thing. was one thing I read was uh, the vodka, uh, gin, and even tequila, your clear alcohols are your better alcohols to drink compared to your darks, like your beers and your wines. Because the the darker um, alcohols contain more um, congeners, they called them. Mm. Uh, the congeners were... Uh, Nitrates. Yeah, yeah. So like... Um, Preservatives, flavours, yeah. Yeah, things like that. Yeah, which um, made things like hangovers worse. So your congeners are you know, your various molecules and compounds that are toxic to your body. So like tannins... Um, the polyethanols and other microtoxins. So your dark alcohols have more of these congeners uh, and will contribute to a worse hangover, mm. um, a worse, a more worse hangover Worser. Uh, than your clear alcohols because they have less of the congeners or the toxins in them. Mm. 
I reckon I've experienced that. Like I've had nights where I've gone out and had a few uh, just vodka, lime and sodas, like enough that I would probably feel bad the next day if that was an equal amount of beers. Yeah. Beer messes me up the next day. Like I love a beer. Yeah. If I have too many beers, I feel quite bad the next day. Yeah. If I just, just drink vodka, lime and soda, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I might have seen that list, Rooster, because I think it had, did they talk about just ethanol in orange juice as the number one drink to have? No, I didn't say that. Oh, ethanol and orange juice, beer. <laughs> Vodka. Hello, kind sir. Can I have yeah. one ethanol with orange juice? <laughs> well, you know, some of, some of the things are just ethanol with flavour. Yeah. You know, if you get a like a spiced rum, mm. it's not it's not it's a Captain Morgan's. A, a cheaper one is not a barrel aged rum. It's just an ethanol with a flavour. Mm. So if you're pairing that with something else, it's probably not as bad. Or, or, or this scale. I think they said brandy was the worst. Did you? I didn't say that. Didn't get that one? No. No, no. Anyway, I don't know how many people are drinking brandy these days. Yeah. But yeah, it's, uh, I know what you're saying, Smitty, and uh, it's a, a diuretic as well. So dehydration is a, a massive part of, you know, a night on the beers, you're dehydrated. Mm. It's going to contribute to a bad hangover. Yeah. If Yeah, if you can hydrate first. And, and the electrolyte loss is pretty big. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you get to yeah. pump up your salt. Yeah. The sodium. Yeah. Potassium, magnesium. Yeah. That's why sometimes um, some guys have had, like, you know, those sports drinks, uh, Gatorade. Yeah, yeah. Whatever sport drinks. Um, when they finish drinking, or knock off a few of those. Yeah. Replace those electrolytes. They, they have said that they feel better the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe bumping up your B vitamin a bit yeah. too. Yeah. You know the old Barocca? Yeah. Well, it's got that aspartame in it, which is the stuff that makes it fizz is also not a good thing for you. But... You know, it's got a good lot, of, good lot of B vitamins in it. Would you have that, that before you, you go to bed after a night, or would you have it the next morning? Go for both. Mm. Just turn that piss radioactive yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was one of the one of the things that I saw about hangovers, and one of the interesting things was they talked about food. You know how they say you know you should eat eat food so that it soaks up the alcohol. Well, really, all it's doing is slowing the effects. Yeah. So it's not soaking up any alcohol and making you able to drink more. Yeah. Just slows the ability. So if you have it on an empty stomach, you get those feelings of euphoria a lot quicker than you do yeah. if you've had a if you have a full stomach. Yeah. And the other thing is because it's a toxin, I was talking about, you know, ethanol to acetaldehyde, then it gets broken down to acetate. So acetate is what we can use as a fuel. So if you but because it's a toxin, the body wants to eliminate that toxin and get rid of it really quickly. So you know what you you go, you go out on the beers and people say, "Oh, eating's cheating. You shouldn't be eating." You know that's going to slow the effects. Well, also what that's doing is because it's because it's a toxin, the body wants to get rid of it first, so it preferentializes that as its fuel source to break it down into its components to use as fuel or get rid of. So if you're eating as well, the breaking down of that food gets put on the back burner and you get you pretty much store all of that as excess calories whatever that might yeah, be right. muscle liver glycogen yeah. whatever it is fat storage yeah. so if you are drinking and eating it's kind of a mickey got a double ender <laughs> as mickey said earlier which is, explains why um they say that it's when when people put on weight generally it's because of the food the type of food they're eating whilst they're drinking yeah and generally you do opt for shit yeah uh, you're not going to get a nice stick of celery or carrot while you're having a couple of beers yeah you're going to have chips or or some crap greasy something yeah, yeah. so that yeah. For th- your theory there would contribute to, to greater weight gain yeah well and it, they're empty calories too they're not mm. yeah there's nothing nutritional about it it's yeah. just trying to break it down into but there is anecdotal evidence though like you, you see some people pull up really really crook after drinking without any food in their stomach you know uh, i just and i find Possibly. myself if i have a good meal before I've, i start drinking i, I wake up I, the next day i'm better than if i didn't um i know mm. that con- contradicts Maybe it slows, slows Theory, it down. Yeah, yeah, possibly slows it down. But I don't know. It's, it's probably also that breakdown of, maybe it slows that breakdown of the acetaldehyde, which is the toxin that's causing you to yeah. feel no good. Yeah. Maybe it slows that down too. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah. But being the ancestral man, the ancestral well, man podcast, they, they did drink yeah. um, alcohol type 
uh, beverages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Didn't they? Like fermented fruits. Yeah. Uh, thousands, thousands and thousands of years ago. They, I think I, know, I, I heard the first, they reckon the first uh, people that were fermenting alcohol dates back to like the first century. Chinese. Is the Chinese? Yeah, Chinese, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think they had, uh, the Irish want to lay claim, but I think the Chinese were well yeah. ahead of them. <laughs> they found um, a, a mixed fermented drink of rice, honey, and hawthorn fruit in some um, uh, some uh, pots or whatever, some pottery discovered in, in that China, uh, place in China, a, mm. uh, a place of a Neolithic settlement dating back to 7,000 to 6,000 yeah. BC. I wonder what they used BC. it. BC? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if they used it for... Ceremonial purposes, or you know, what what it was was it just an everyday drink, or probably was wasn't it young a, people going out binge drinking? Yeah, was it? yeah, yeah. It probably <laughs> yeah. was probably only sort of a couple of nights. I don't know. Yeah, uh, wine was first fermented in Caucasia, which is around the south Ru- southern Russia Georgia region uh, back in six thousand BC. More importantly, though, beer, because we all love our beers. First brewed, they reckon, by the Sumerians uh, in Sumeria. Uh, which is a uh, old Mesopotamia, Mesopotamia. <laughs> yeah, uh, southeastern sort of Middle East, southeastern yeah. Iraq, Middle East area, uh, approximately three thousand BC, and that Sumeria a- area was known for its abundance in um, farming of wheat, barley, and grains. There you go. Um, and I can actually uh, quote you a little line from a poem. I won't read you the poem, but there's a Please poem do. from ancient Mesopotamia <laughs> which uh, references beer. Oh. Uh, the poem is uh, titled The Epic of Gilgamesh. And Gil- Gilgamesh was the king of the people in um, Samaria at that time. And he had a good old uh, war buddy uh, and a comrade, a uh, friend called Inkidu. Oh, yeah. Old yeah. Inky. Yeah. yeah, old Inky. Yeah. And uh, Gilgamesh introduced uh, Inkidu uh, to his uh, clan and people and uh, introduced him to the food and the beer of the people. And it was written in this poem, in inverted commas, Drink the beer, as is the custom of the land. He drank the beer, seven jugs, and became expansive and sang with joy. There End of go. quote. Wow. How good is that? That's going back to 3000 BC. Wow. Seven so there's jugs. a reference of someone getting pissed, having his mate over, <laughs> giving, putting a feed on for him and shouting the beers. Seven jugs, mind you. <laughs> That's a bit. Yeah. And his mate getting f- joyful. There you go. Mm. Yeah. So there you go, Mick. Um, you're practicing a thousand-year-old tradition. <laughs> <laughs> and what a great tradition it is. We haven't really talked about uh, how it affects your sleep, too, as you go to bed. Oh, it fucks your sleep up. Man. Sure does. Sleep and hangover. Yeah. yeah. It's horrendous. Yeah. Don't you reckon it's a common misconception because people say, oh, I have beers, I go to sleep straight away. You but probably which, fall asleep quick, Which you, you do, you go to sleep real quick. Yeah, but then you're kind of waking up throughout the night. Yeah, you tossing dry, having you a need, piss. You need to go to the toilet, yeah. you're mm. stinking hot. I, you can feel your heart beating, I reckon. Yeah. yeah. You can feel it beating faster to try and get that blood around your body. <laughs> I can just try to mm. get some, I don't know, I don't know what it's doing. but it's, Yeah, maybe that's to do with what you're drinking your alcohol with, you know, like. Caffeinated drinks or something like. Oh, I don't know. I just think I just think the body, the physiology of the body changes because it's that toxin. They want to. It wants to get rid of it. And how does it do that? Pumps more blood around. Maybe you breathe heavily. Get to breathe because I think Mm. that's one of the ways you get rid of it is through breath. Yeah. Mm. So maybe you breathe more. Body pumps the blood around quicker. I don't know. Your heart's got more work to do. I don't. I don't know. That's uh, unscientifically proven. But Could just be dehydration, maybe? You're just so dehydrated that your heart's got to beat yeah. really quick because yeah. your circulating volume's a bit less? I don't know. I, maybe that's just me. I don't I've experienced that. I've, yeah. I remember as a young fella lying there and you can just really feel your heart yeah. pounding it to the point where you can't get to sleep. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah. This probably isn't good. I, I think, because we talked about there's that gene that in the coffee episode last week, there's that uh, gene that some people have, like Mickey was talking about, he can't really have a coffee... Your, your wife, Smithy, can't have one sort of before or after 12 o'clock because then, you know, they can't clear the caffeine. Well, that, the acetylaldehyde, I keep going back to that. It's a fun word to say too. Uh, people have that, a similar gene that they can't clear that out quick enough. So, you know, one or two drinks really stuffs them up and they just can't drink because it's, mm. it's, maybe it's, maybe it's part genetics that some people have a gene that clears that out really quick, you know, 
you know, you've got mates that can have 20, 30 beers a night, wake up the next day and are good to go. And others have, like me, three or four and are no good. They just don't have the ability to clear that toxin out of the body. I don't know. It was quite interesting looking into it. Yeah, there's probably there's probably a genetic component, but there's probably also those regular drinkers. You just get that, um, they call it liver enzyme induction, where your liver will just make more enzymes that are responsible for like breaking that compound yeah. down. So it's like if you take a drug regularly, your body will get better at breaking it down. Yeah. So there's, there's probably a bit of that. Yeah. If they're sort of well-seasoned drinkers and they're really, their body's well-practiced at yeah. sort of experiencing that alcohol and, you know, yeah. breaking it down into... I think there was, I think there was stuff about with alcoholism, there is a propensity to move towards that with that, you know, you can clear that out quickly. So the tolerance is higher and you, you know, you don't feel as bad and the, the side effects aren't quite as bad. Mm. Tied to that, tied to that gene. Anyway. I, was, I was reading something about uh, people with a propensity for alcoholism and they were sort of saying that their experience with alcohol is different when they start drinking. So for, for most people, like you'll have a few drinks, uh, you'll sort of hit that high point and then the the really sort of like depressive effects of alcohol will come in where you will start to feel tired and a bit lethargic. And, you know, while initially you'll sort of be more talkative and more up and about, you'll hit that point where you have a lot of alcohol and then you'll sort of come down and you'll sort of start to feel more, you know, drowsy. Maybe you'll start getting sleepy and you'll have less to say. But apparently people that have like a genetic uh, predisposition to alcoholism will continue to just have like more and more energy, like the more they drink. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, yeah. so... You probably all got those mates where you, there's one or two of them, and they'll just power go drink throughout the night, yeah. and they'll just go all night and just yeah. like effortless energy. Yeah. And you look around the room, and everyone else is half fucked, and they're all sort of flopped about. Yeah. And, you know, just like oh, I want this to be over. Like, so they're the alcoholics. Uh, well, that we need to worry about. I think, <laughs> according to like what I read, yeah, yeah they yeah. might just have more of a predisposition where they might have problems with alcohol down the track. Whereas if you're one of those more traditional majority of people who will have it, and then eventually you know, have less energy and want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but so that also apply to the dude that can wake up the next morning and, and crack go. open a, a beer oh, after a big night. Nah, hair of the dog. Oh. Hey, is that, that's a hangover cure, I suppose? Well, they reckon Let's not. Um, oh, no. You listen to some <laughs> science and, and it says it, it's just, just delaying yeah, the, it just pushes it back. the effect. Yeah, it, that actually is not a hangover cure itself. So we know we know that it it's a toxin, right? We're, we're all going to do it. We're all going to have a drink again. It's yep. not liquid. Oh, maybe we'd, I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll turn some people around. I've definitely, after looking into this, not had too much to drink. Uh, but if we do drink, and we we need some hangover cures, right? So what have we got? Definitely hydration, as we touched on, yeah. is a big one. Yeah, electrolyte replacements. Yeah, yeah. Whether you know. Whether you take out a little sachet of electrolytes or whatever, you know, it could be a bit nerdy, but every time you go to the toilet, pop some uh, electrolyte tablet or something like that, that could help you. Yeah. Mm. Don't you reckon the Europeans do it really well, where uh, oftentimes if you go to like a restaurant or a bar, if you order an alcoholic drink, they automatically give you like a little glass of water with it? Yeah. Oh. I reckon that's real good. Clever. Yeah. The Germans were quite good with that. Like yeah, if you right. went to a restaurant, every time you ordered like a beer, you'd also get a little thing of water. Yeah. Yeah, did you good. did you come across uh, cold exposure as a cure for hangover? I have heard something about that. So yeah. apparently, it pumps up your adrenaline. Yeah, you know, one one to three minutes. We we big proponents of cold water therapy here. But then I heard something that that like the old cold water shower, like chucking them under the cold shower, doesn't actually have an effect. Well, maybe it maybe it is pumping their adrenaline up to try and clear out some of the toxins. Mm. You're worth looking into that one. Mm. Yeah. But it does make you feel better. Like, I know you, yeah. you go down to the ocean and you just jump in the cold ocean and that makes you feel a lot better if you've been drinking the night before. Yep. There could be some benefit behind that. Fermented food was another one that sort of helped prevent hangover or made that gut microbiome nice and yeah positive. What, what, what about the food the next day? What's, what's best to eat the next day to if you're feeling a bit... Seedy. Oh, I don't know. I didn't really look into that. Yeah, you, you crave grease, don't you? Like yeah, greasy bacon food, and eggs, pizza, KFC. Or something yeah, bad. yeah. You, I reckon you mm. crave bad food. It's probably not what you need, but do you go with what your body's craving? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not. Because the I last thing I want to do is go and have a celery stick with some peanut butter on it or something like that, yeah. or a Big bowl of nice, cereal with nice, milk. Nice <laughs> apple. <laughs> maybe maybe Dude. fasting. I mean, maybe yeah. fasting is the way to go, yeah. and you're just unburdening your body from any extra inputs, and it's just allowed yeah. to focus on sort of like expelling all the toxins that you've yeah. got. Yeah. 
might be a thing. Yeah, sweat it out. Yeah, because the alcohol is pro-inflammatory. So yeah, I heard maybe a little walk so that you're breathing off some of the. Maybe if you could handle a little run. Yeah, but I heard a saying: the greatest cure for a hangover is time. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Wow. It's just you got to wait time, wait it out, man. It's just so multifaceted. I guess because it's damaging a lot of cells in your body. You know, fat soluble, like we're saying, fat and water soluble before. It's not like we can just take one pill and hit that targeted area of the body or cell. It's so multifaceted. It's just, mm. which makes you think, well, if it's doing that to you, it's kind of attacking various different systems, your gut, your brain, your sleep, you know. Mm. Well, even Maybe think we about the be question drinking. that we were answering there, Jonesy. The, the, the question was, what can we offer people in order to reduce their hangover? Don't you drink. Know, like, so, yeah, yes. so, so, so ultimately, uh, I, I find that interesting in itself. Is is despite the impacts that we know this is going to have, short, medium, and long term, we're all still going to go back and have a drink. And that's yeah. the, like when you when you sit and think about that a little bit, it's 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 almost madness because, like you said earlier, if you knew you were going to take a pill and it was going to make you feel like absolute shit the next day. Uh, Why do we do I don't it? Know. You wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think. I think. Um, but like I said, it, we weigh up the risks of everything, don't we? We know that it's a risk, and we're gonna. And you've got control. Yeah. You know, as as you get older, you learn control and 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 ways to to, to measure what you're consuming. And yeah. I find I find that as I've got older, I know when to stop. Whereas back in my young days, there was no, there was no stop button. It was just go until you dropped. Yeah. Now I just, you know, I know when to pull the pin. I know if I have what that one more, that's going to tip me over the edge. Yeah. So I guess as you experience. get experience. Uh, yeah. Life. Yeah. Life experience. I've got you teenage... have been around for seventy five years. <laughs> a lot of life experience behind you. I've got teenage kids now, and I'm um, just having the discussion with my sixteen year old daughter, who's, who's openly told us that she's um tried alcohol at party and um at first i was a little bit disappointed that she never had her first alcohol um tasting with us but i guess that, you know it's just teenage years i guess none of us would have liked to have a beer with our mum or dad when we were 15 or 16 but um now i'm just i wish i could just impart this knowledge onto her as to the you know, particularly what we discussed at the start of this episode about the damages to a developing brain. Mm. If they only knew what, you know, she's already had a friend had her stomach pumped in hospital wow. for uh, drinking too much at a party. If these kids only knew, you know, and it's easy to, for us to say now because we're, we're wiser, but uh, if they only knew the damage they were doing, and I just, all you can do is just educate them and whether they take it on board, they take it on board. Mm. Just give them the science and... Yeah. And we haven't even even discussed the risks of cancer with alcohol. No. Which is through the roof. So, well, I reckon yep. breast cancer in women yeah. is, is a yeah. high incidence. Well, even even this study I found, light alcohol drinking the risk of cancer, very light drink, like I was talking about before, is 0.5. Light is 1. Moderate is 1 to 2. And they, with very light drinking, 0.5... Is that per day, mate? Per day, yeah. They found there wasn't really a huge risk in other cancers except for breast cancer in females and colorectal cancer in males. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that that comes up in a lot. There was a lot of studies on that. There was 12-odd thousand on PubMed when I had a look. Not all related to light drinking, but alcohol in general. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it came up that even light alcohol consumption, yeah, so moderate to heavy in another study, you know, the oral cavity, pharynx, esophageal, stomach, colorectal, central nervous system, breast and prostate went through the roof with moderate to heavy drinking. Mm. What's moderate defined as? Do you, do you have the definition of that? One so to two. A day. A day. Because a, a lot of people promote that as being quite healthy. Yes. One, one drink a day, uh, yeah. good for your heart health and good for your yeah. overall uh, longevity. And I don't know if that's just maybe a bit of a marketing ploy. Yeah, I I, and I think that like Mick was saying before, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a misnote. Like that's not true. Sure, no, it might be true if you look at like one little isolated part of health. Mm. If you exclude everything, but you just looked at I don't know 
heart health or something, for example. Yeah. Maybe it's true, but maybe if you take into account like all cause mortality, it seems like probably it's pretty bad. Mm. Yeah. This one here, I didn't think, I thought maybe they'd be a little bit higher, but because it, it did say it was one of the leading risks for cancer and maybe I read it wrong, but uh, alcohol consumption, a leading risk for cancer, 2020 study. Um, it attributed to 4.2% of all cancers, but that didn't seem like a lot. I thought it would be a lot higher being one of the major causes of cancer. We can look at all these studies and the causes of cancer and so on, but um, I guess you can do things in your lifestyle to offset the effects of, of those things, you know, like we've yeah. talked about in other podcasts, like supplements, diet, those sort of things that can counteract this, the negative effects because we're going to drink alcohol. I'm not going to stop drinking alcohol because I've done a bit more research and found the yeah. negative side of it. I'm probably drinking more control, but yeah, I think my lifestyle... <laughs> I think you say, I'm probably going to drink more. <laughs> I think my lifestyle <laughs> dictates that I can afford, afford it. Uh, that's probably sounding a little bit ignorant. Offsetting the good stuff Offsetting, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's that social component of like enjoyment and stress relief and yep. that can't be discounted, I mean. No. Yeah, definitely. You go out with your mates and you have two beers and you just feel really happy and joyful and yep. you just release all your stress and just have a great day and you laugh and, you know, maybe you're doing some other positive things. You're out in the sun yep. in, in a healthy way and you're getting some fresh air and you're, you're socialising. Mm. You know, maybe the net effect is... Zero or maybe even positive. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Hard to say. Yeah. That's a good finish here from Smith. Yeah. And again, <laughs> Another. you just kicked our match-winning oh, goal again. Well, no, I, was, I wanted to quickly touch on uh, a couple of ones, which I actually found really interesting. Positives? No. Nah. Oh. <laughs> 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 but really blew my mind. Uh, one of them is if you're even a very moderate drinker, you have like one or two a week, it changes your baseline cortisol level in your body. So like your your HPA axis, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, it somehow alters that and your baseline cortisol level that is with you all the time can actually be like quite a bit higher if you just consume like a little bit of alcohol, yeah, right. which is probably a negative. And then also that affects that um, we've sort of touched on throughout where it can make you feel like relaxed and unburden you with all your stress. Well, if you're a drinker, when you're not under the effects of alcohol, your baseline stress day to day will actually be higher. Um, I came across this and I've got it written down here. So basically you've got a balance between uh, GABA and glutamate, which gets altered when you drink. So if you have like quite a lot of drinks, um, glutamate, which is an excitatory neurotransmitter will sort of be blocked uh, and it'll affect GABA. But the next day when you're recovering, your body will sense that you've got um, this low glutamate and, and high GABA uh, sort of situation and it'll work to correct it, but then that will stay for a bit longer and so you actually be more prone to being anxious. Yeah, right. So like when you're not actively under the effect of alcohol because it's altered your neurotransmitters, it's going to alter them back negatively the next day. Yeah, so, wow. so maybe that's why it promotes people wanting to drink more because you drink, you feel good, you, you know, you feel relaxed yeah. and not stressed out. But then the next day, maybe you've got a hangover, but maybe also you're feeling a bit edgy and a bit anxious because your neurotransmitters are all tweaked and your body's working to um, sort of regain that control and it puts you more towards being anxious. Also, your baseline cortisol levels are higher. So, I mean, that that's quite a negative, yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, but I found it really interesting when I came across that. I didn't yeah. actually realise that it, it could sort of um, influence things in that way. I knew yeah. it was bad from the point of... Uh, the acetylaldehyde is a toxin and it's going to yeah. damage your liver and you know while you're actively drinking it's probably going to damage your brain and all that sort of stuff but I didn't really realise about the longer term consequence of your neurotransmitters and your stress yeah. hormones hmm. wow so I mean that's quite bad right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. makes sense though doesn't it it kind of does when you yeah. think about it I guess but I, I was I'd never come across it and the only reason that I came across it was doing research for yeah. this and chat we're going to have but. and it's interesting that we I, I talked about it before but it just has an effect on Everything in your body, mm. hormone levels, brain. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to keep drinking, mate. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, next time I'm at a barbecue, next time I'm at a barbecue, I'm not drinking and someone asks me, what are you drinking? I'll say, well, I'm just uh, protecting my neurotransmitters and my uh, hormones. <laughs> My GABA, my GABA and uh, glutamate um, cycle. That, that was real nerdy, bringing that up, but I was very interested in it, so I couldn't oh, help yeah. myself. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. There was no way to sugarcoat Mate. it and sound cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> something that I we, wouldn't have even thought. No. The cortisol levels. No, mm. yeah. But maybe that's to do with the heart as well. It's kind of stressful and mm. yeah. trying to get back to base level. Yeah, good info. You don't see that on the yeah. fucking beer commercials, do you? No. no. You just see people riding horses and bloody doing fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. That's an old-fashioned one, isn't it? <laughs> you sure might, have a, a, might have a bit of spillage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I, I always remember the VB out of the dude that had real dirty hands and then he had a um, you know, a flannel shirt and he cracks the tin yep. with his – or cracks the bottle with his um, – I think he might have bloody hands and he's – I think he's mowing the lawn or something. There's always a, a guy with a real tank sort of like torso with like a wife beater singlet yeah. on and he was necking down a beer. <laughs> Real working class man. Good times. The wording, boys, the wording. The last part is you can get it walking, you can get it talking, you can get it working a plough. Matter of fact, I've got it now. Victoria Bitter. There you go. Ah, there you go. Working a plough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe a that was by a horse. Yeah. <laughs> is that a metaphor? Or? I think that's Rooster's vintage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The old glides though. Ah, nice. Oh, VB sponsors. Thanks yeah. for the episode. Yeah. <laughs> we worked out how bad it is, but we're all still drinking. Mm. All well, right. Hmm. Can close it out there. Yeah, let's go. Reach out froth. to us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yep, Modern Ancestral Man at gmail.com. Get in touch. Uh, maybe up our social media game soon. Mm. Find us out in the social soon, but. Uh, in the meantime, yeah, contact us via the email. Give us a positive, negative review on there and, and let us know. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. All right. See you, lads. Hear that sound. Thanks,